Well, I want to welcome you again to worship, whether you're here with us live in the room or whether you're watching on video. We're so glad that you joined us, and we believe that it's no accident that you're here, that God has you here for a reason, and we celebrate that. So today, we're going to talk about something that can make a huge difference in our lives, not only in this world, but it's actually something that can make a difference for all of eternity. But to start out, I wanna talk about our return on investment. Now, in 1980, Apple stock became available. And if you had invested $1,000 into Apple stock in 1980, after all of the splits and all of the dividends that have happened since then, today your stock would be worth $394,000. Isn't that pretty unbelievable? Well, there was another company about 15 years ago that was one of the hottest companies that was coming out. It was a company called Webvan. And they were one of the first companies to come up with the idea of an online grocery store where you could go pick out your groceries and they would come and deliver them to your door. Now, it doesn't sound real revolutionary today because all kinds of companies do that. But 15 years ago, this was a pioneering idea. So 15 years ago, if you would have bought $1,000 worth of Webvan stock, you know how much you would have today? Absolutely nothing. They raised $835 million, and it has all been lost. It all went away. You see, of course, that's the risk in investing, there's never a guarantee in the financial world. We just have to hope and pray that those investments work out in the end. We're never guaranteed a return on our investment. And so today, we are going to hear the greatest financial advice we will ever receive. But I noticed when I said the words financial advice that your body language was pretty obvious because some of you kind of subconsciously put your hand on your wallet or you're holding your purse a little tighter. And there's some of you that crossed your arms and you're thinking, I knew it. This is all they ever talk about at church. It's our money. And there's others of you who are having flashbacks of some guy on TV in a cheap suit telling you to send all your money to him somewhere in Florida. But what we need to remember is that Jesus talked about money more than heaven and hell combined. That 16 out of 38 parables that Jesus told are all about our finances. Because God wants to help us navigate one of the most difficult and challenging areas of our life. And so what I want you to hear is that as a church, we don't want something from you. No, we want something for you. We want you to grow in your relationship with God. We want you to make a lasting impact. And we want you to live a more fulfilling and stress-free life. And you know, for many of us, one of the biggest sources of stress in our life is our finances. Did you know that in America, the number one cause of divorce is financial disagreement or financial stress? 
And it's one of the biggest competitors for our hearts. It's one of the biggest competitors for our loyalty, for our attention, for our focus. And so often, our finances and the stress around it, it can keep us from stepping out in faith. And it can keep us from following God as he tries to lead us forward. And it can also keep us from experiencing all of his blessings. So wouldn't it be great to be able to get rid of all of the stress? Wouldn't it be great to have more freedom and more margin in our lives? Well, listen to these words of wisdom that were spoken and written down hundreds and hundreds of years ago in the book of Proverbs chapter three. And this is what it says. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now, it kind of needs to be updated a little bit to make it more relatable, I think. So maybe it could be said like this today. Trust God with all of your money. Bring the first part of your paycheck to him, and then you will have plenty. Now, do you believe that? Have you actually experienced that in your life? Now, don't get this wrong. It doesn't mean that you're guaranteed to win the lottery or that you're going to somehow be filthy rich or that all of your problems are going to go away. That's not the promise. What God is promising is that when we manage our money his way, when we put him first in our lives, well, then we will experience an overflowing type of life. But you know, the problem with this is what we often do is start to list all of our objections to what God is asking us to do. Say, so, you know, if I trust God with my money, I mean, what does that mean for my kid's college fund? What does it mean for my retirement investments? What does it mean for that cabin that we hope to have someday? You know, it's really my money. I should be able to do with it what I want. You see, when it comes to our money, really our entire lives, it really comes down to one big question, one all-important question. And that question is, will you trust God? Will you trust God with every single area of your life, whether it's work, family, home life, but also your money and your finances? Well, God wants to give us a solution, a way to get rid of all of our stress a way to put our trust into action and make sure that God stays first in all that we do. And that solution is called the tithe. It's how we can consistently keep putting God first in our everyday lives. But to help us understand what a tithe is a little bit better, I thought we should call in an expert. So I want you to take a look at this video.
I couldn't say it any better. <laughs> See, what this is really about is returning to God what belongs to God in the first place. Don't ever, ever forget that everything we have is a gift from God. That includes our life, it includes our abilities, it includes our possessions, our relationships, everything belongs to him. In Psalm 24, verse one, it says, the earth is the Lord's, and not just some things in it, everything that's in it, all of it belongs to God. Now, how often do we think of everything as ours, right? We say it's my car, my house, my phone, my whatever else you want to list. But the truth is, nothing we have is ours permanently. Everything we have is temporary. We can't take it with us when we go. In Leviticus 27.30, God says, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Don't forget to whom everything belongs. Everything we have is simply on loan from God. And the reason that we're asked to bring a tithe is not to pay a fee, it's not a tax that we owe God, it's not somehow that we buy our favor or we earn our way into God's presence. No, it's actually for our own benefit. Because money is the number one thing that competes with God for our allegiance. Money is the number one thing that competes with God for our allegiance. Now, Jesus talked about this in Matthew 6, 24. He said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, stop for a moment and just appreciate the word choice there. Because think of all the other things that could be filled in the blank when it says you cannot serve both God and, I mean, you could make a whole list. It could be God and sin, or God and a political party, or God and Buddha, or God and whatever else. But Jesus takes the time and on purpose says you cannot serve both God and money. In verse 21 of Matthew 6, Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. You know, if we decide to spend all our money on our own wants and desires and all of our preferences, well, what does that say about our heart and what our priorities are? You know, in this series, we've been talking about what God is for, how God is for people and God is for our community and how God is for the world well, I think if we would all take our bank statements from the last month and we would compare what we're spending things on, we would start to get a pretty good picture of what we are for. Are we for what God is for? Are we trusting God? Are we putting him first? So God says to get rid of our stress, to have financial freedom, and to make an eternal impact. Make sure God is first. Trust him with your entire life and trust him with your money. 
And then he'll take the 90% that you have left and partnering with you, he will do far more with that 90% than you can do by yourself with 100%. But the thing is, that takes trust and it takes intentionality. It's not just an afterthought. You know, I think oftentimes what we do is we wait till the end of the month and kind of see what's left over, what we have left over to give to God. Or sometimes we wait and, you know, maybe see if the sermon's any good this week or did we like the song choices or did everything go the way that I wanted them to go? But think about what that implies to God when he becomes just our leftovers or when we just give him a little tip. Doesn't he deserve more than that? You see, trusting God with our money is one of the hardest things to do as a Christian. We so often hold on tightly to our bank account as a source of security. We feel like if we can accumulate enough, whether it's in our bank account or in our retirement portfolio or in some investments, that somehow we can take full control, that we can be bulletproof. But the thing is, at any moment, our life could be over. There's no way that we can have complete control. You know, when we don't put God first in our life, well, then our hearts get attached to the wrong thing. And the thing also is that our finances are something that we keep private from other people. And so the thing is, we can fake it around other people. We can come to church regularly. We can sing all the songs. We can say the right things. We can show up at the right activities. No one knows how we're treating our finances except for God, right? Only he knows. Well, there's a conversation that happens in the very last book of the Old Testament between God and his people of Israel. And it's a conversation that hits on some of these ideas and some of these things taking place. Now, have you ever walked up to a group of friends and as you walk up, you suddenly realize that they're having a very heated conversation, that there's a lot of tension and it's kind of awkward? Well, that's what we're essentially going to do as we look at the book of Malachi. We're walking in on a very tense conversation that God is having with the Israelites. And within this conversation, God is going to give some instruction, but then he's also going to give an invitation. And that instruction and that invitation aren't just for the Israelites, they're also for us today. So starting in Malachi chapter 3, verse 7, This is what God says. He says, Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. God wants his people to come back to him. It's a frequent theme throughout Scripture. He wants to restore the relationship that he has with people. But the thing is, these people don't even realize that they ever left him. So he goes on and he says, but you ask, how are we to return? And then God keeps going and the tension builds. He says, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? Yikes, that escalated quickly. I mean, they wonder, how could this be true? God says, but you ask, how are we robbing you? I mean, how in the world do you rob God? 
So God goes on to tell them how. He says, in tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. It's pretty convicting, isn't it? I mean, maybe something that we could ask ourselves. What about us? Are we robbing God? You know, how about when we choose to use our tithe to try to get our own way? We're not actually robbing the church. In this scripture, it tells us we're robbing from God. You know, when we think, well, I'm going to wait and see if everything else goes well first, and then I'll give something to God. We're not robbing anyone else other than God himself. But then the conversation shifts, and God's grace and his kindness and his mercy shines through. And so he gives this invitation to change course, and then he gives some incredible promises. And this is what he has to say. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now first notice the first word. He says, bring, not give. You see, this is bringing to God what already belongs to him. Now we might wonder, well, why doesn't he just give us 90% to start with and just kind of cut out the middleman? Well, the reason is because this isn't really about money at all. It's about our heart. It's about what we're putting first in our life, what we're trusting And then he says something incredible. It's unprecedented in the rest of Scripture. He says, test me in this. It's the only invitation we receive to put God to the test. Really, it's kind of the biblical version of I triple dog dare you. God says, I want to show you that you can't outgive me. And I'm going to prove it to you. God says, I can do more with you and your 90% than you'll ever be able to do with 100% on your own. Now, I've experienced this firsthand in my own life because my wife Lexi and I have been tithing our entire 17 years of marriage. But I'll tell you, there was a shift that we had to make that made all the difference in the world. Because, you know, it's easy to figure out how much to tithe. You just drop the last zero off your paycheck. So it's easy to figure out. We knew how much we needed to give. But what would typically happen is we would wait for the end of the quarter or even six months, and then we would figure out how much we owed, and we would write a big check, and it would be stressful, and we'd be afraid of where it would put us financially. And it was really a miserable feeling. And so one day we decided that we were going to do what God asked us to do, and we were going to tithe first. We were going to set aside that part of our paycheck before paying anything else. And of course, now setting it up online for automatic withdrawal, I mean, it's like one of the easiest things around. But it's made all the difference in the world because God has continued to provide for us month after month. We've had car repairs, huge medical bills, house payments. God's helped us weather storm after storm. You see, through it all, He's shown that he's faithful, just like we sang about. He's provided for us, and he's blessed us incredibly. 
It's not too late to take him up on his invitation to put him to the test and to show him that you truly trust him. Now remember when we started, we we talked about a return on investment. Well, simply giving God what is rightfully his has an incredible return on investment, both for today, but also for eternity. You know, Jesus tells us, don't store up treasures here on earth. Store up your treasures in heaven. In 1992, there was a group of students from the college that I attended, Concordia and Moorhead, who were doing an archaeological dig over in Caesarea Philippi in Israel. And as they were digging, they made an amazing discovery. There was a box, and they opened up the box, and inside were 99 gold coins from the time of Jesus. Now just imagine this. There was some guy living during the time of Jesus who was stockpiling gold coins. You know, we don't know what he was saving up for. Maybe it was the iPhone BC or like a horse-drawn Tesla. He probably had some great plans. But then he passed away and the box was forgotten and it became filled and covered with layer upon layer of dirt. You can't take anything with you when you go. Don't store up treasure here. Store up treasure in heaven. You can invest right now into God's kingdom. You can be a part of God's mission to bring heaven to earth. You can help make heaven a more crowded place, which will pay eternal dividends. Now imagine five minutes after you die, what will you wish you had spent your money on? Five minutes after you die, what will you wish you had spent your money on? I believe we'll say something like, I wish I had invested more into things that have eternal significance. That's the greatest return on investment that we could ever receive. Just imagine a conversation you might have as you walk into heaven and someone comes up, maybe you hardly recognize them, and they say, you're the reason that I'm here. Because you invested into God's kingdom, because you supported his church, that's the reason that I get to spend eternity here in heaven. Can you imagine anything better than that? God makes an incredible promise about our return on investment. He says, when you get this right, when you put him first, your life will overflow today. Remember our passage from Proverbs 3. He says, your life will overflow with joy and peace and provision and protection and purpose. Malachi chapter 3 says, test it out. Put God first and then see how he will open the floodgates to overflow into your life. You know, I think it's a privilege to be able to invest into this particular local church called Calvary. God is doing such amazing things here. We are seeing such great growth this fall. We're witnessing many people come to faith in Christ for the first time. 
We're supporting missionaries and ministries that are sharing Jesus around the world. I don't think anything can come close to that kind of return on investment. You know, this church standing here is 74 years old. And the reason this church continues to thrive is because people have trusted God and they've put him first year after year. God is inviting each one of us to make an eternal impact, an investment that will actually show up for eternity. Put him to the test. You know, maybe for you, that's trying it out for 90 days. God says, put me to the test, see what I'll do. And if you think, well, you know, I'm not sure about this church or I feel like they're trying to get something from me, don't give it to us. Find another church. You can keep on worshiping here. We hope you keep coming. But if there's some sort of barrier between us and this whole idea of tithing, we'll find another church because we believe that God will be faithful to you and he will show up and it will overflow in your life. What we care most about is your spiritual health. And the thing is, this is a key part of it. As we close out our time together, I want you to take a look at a testimony from a couple guys who were on a journey of generosity.
volunteer opportunities for us to step up to, to really uh, see a need in our community and to fill that need. And, and so we continue to ask ourselves, we encourage you to ask yourself, you know, just how bright is our light shining for others? And how bright is the light of Calvary shining in our community? And are we really giving God all the glory he deserves? Because as Adam said, you know, God gave us everything. He gave us his son. He's given us eternal life. And so what are we willing to, to give in return? And so that's been a challenge that, that we are walking through on this journey. And we encourage you to, to, to ask yourself honestly, you know, how great is your life shining? And if it's not an answer you like, that's okay. The next thing to do is, is take that step of faith and start to, to have your life shine. And we really have a limited amount of resources and the talents and the faithful people that we have in this church. And so, uh, just to remind you that again, God isn't asking for your time, your talents, your treasures. He's inviting you to invest in his kingdom. Come join us on this journey. Such a great testimony. I love when they say, you know, think about increasing your standard of giving, not just your standard of living. And what if we as a church, all together as the body of Christ, actually trusted God at his word? What if we consistently put him first? Imagine the impact that we could have, not just here in this community, but around the world. So as we close out our time together, I wanna to invite you to take out the pledge card that's in your bulletin. And I simply ask you to prayerfully ask God, what he would have you give, not just your leftovers, not just a tip, but what if you actually put them first? Now, if you've filled out your card, you can hand it to a guest experience person on the way out, or you can mail it back to the church, or just keep it for yourself. You can also submit it online. It really is just between you and God. But again, remember, we don't want something from you. We want something for you. And we believe that God will lead us forward. He'll lead you forward in the very best way. And that when we follow his management, his plan for our money, we will truly overflow like never before. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for all that we have. And we confess so often we think it's ours or that we deserve it or that we earned it. God, help us to remember every single thing is a gift from you, including our life. And so God, as we think about money and how stressful it can be and such a hard topic to discuss, open our hearts to your way, to your leading. God, help us to put you first in all that we do. Help us to trust you with all that we are. God, we're so thankful for the amazing gifts that you've given to us. And above all else, the gift of Jesus, your only son. It's the greatest gift we could ever be given. And so God, help grow our hearts of generosity. Help us to bring you our tithe as a sign of our trust and then to continue to increase our standard of giving so that we can impact even more people and make a difference for eternity. And so, God, we trust these things to your care. In the powerful name of Jesus, and all God's people said.